honest hockey talk and opinions. This is Penalty Box Radio. Live with Alex Doherty and Sean Smith on Smashville's best sports talk, 1025 and 1063 The Game and the Game Nashville app. And welcome to Penalty Box Radio Live, presented by Silas Realty Group. Silas Realty Group, your premier destination for Nashville, Tennessee real estate. Also brought to you by the Nashville Spartans, Nashville's one and only junior hockey team based in Nolensville. I am your host, Alex Doherty of Penalty Box Radio. And joining me today is not Sean Smith. It is actually a guest host for tonight. For the first time in Penalty Box Radio Live of the new season, we have a guest host, and her name is Ann Kimmel of the Hockey News. Welcome, Ann. Thank you so much, Alex. Thrilled to be here, of course. Uh, yes, and Ann, is, uh, Ann has been covering the Predators for a while now for the Hockey News, does a fantastic job, writes probably more than anyone else, really. I mean, writes a ton of stuff about the Predators, uh, and uh, we're glad to have you. Today on the show... We will recap a wild week for the Preds where they lost a, lost to a couple of former head coaches, which was pretty funny. Uh, they, but they also picked up a huge road win in Buffalo last night. Uh, we also learned of a trade request on the team. We'll talk about what that means. It's kind of an odd uh, odd timing for that. Some strange strange timeline of all that. We're going to get into that. But uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about a guy that I think has had a really good year so far, Michael McCarron. Preview uh, or talk about what he's been what he's been up to this year and also something that happened last year. This is kind of interesting conversation with him. And uh, then we're going to preview the next week. And of course, and you are going to have to participate in the three-on-three draft. Are you okay with that? I am so ready for this. Okay. I'm so ready. Okay. It's a good one. It's a, it's a good topic there. Um, but we always start with the puck drop topic of the day. It's just a quick thing to get us going. And my question is to you, does all of Nashville owe John Hines an apology for watching the Minnesota Wild come in and beat down the Preds 6-1? to one? Do, do, do we, owe, do we owe, owe John Hines an apology? Even if we did owe John Hines an apology, would the Nashville Predators fan base actually give the apology? I think that is the actual question that you're going to want to ask. But I would say no, because let's be real, how much of that loss really was directly tied to the mm. coaching of John Hines? I think that that win, the way Minnesota came out and played, I think that was very circumstantial, not taking anything away from John sure, Hines. Sure, sure. But... You know, I think that was more circumstantial. I'm not sure that that was his coaching wizardry at work quite yet in Minnesota. Well, my answer is yes. Everyone owes John Hines an apology because uh, I, I always thought John Hines got a raw deal here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think he's a good coach. I don't know that he's a great coach. I don't think he's. Um, you know, his ceiling to me is probably not probably not uh, where, where you'd want it to be. But I think he was for for where the team was post Laviolette. Where they aren't, where they were when he took over. I think he did a lot of good things, and uh, people only want to talk about, you know, Ellie Tolvanen. Oh my goodness! So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I do think John Hines is a good coach, good man, good coach, yes. and uh, I, I'm I'm happy he got a job up there with the Minnesota Wild. But we are not a Minnesota Wild podcast. We are or radio show. We are we are a Nashville Predators podcast and radio show. So we're going to talk about that. Um, I don't want to talk much about the Minnesota Wild game. They lost six to one. It ended a six game winning streak. A lot of things went wrong on that one. Um, there was a, a very, very questionable hit on Alex Carrier that knocked him out for a while from Kirill Kaprizov, Department of Player Safety, crickets. Nothing. Nothing from them. So that's that's tough, tough scene. Uh, then after that, two days later, they lose to the New York Rangers. But, and I, tell me what you think. I thought that it was, a, even though it was a loss, it was a much better game 
than it was against Minnesota. Is that what you thought? I think for as dramatically poor as the performance was against Minnesota, I was as equally surprised by how well the Predators were able to bounce back and come out against you know, arguably the best team in the league right now. So yeah. I was very impressed with this. I thought this was maybe one of Nashville's most complete, consistent games that we've seen from them this season. I thought it was fantastic hockey. Yeah, it was a great game. I mean, like uh, Ryan O'Reilly, I thought, had a huge performance in that one. I, I think that uh, he... There's something about the way he plays the game that uh, you can just always kind of count on him. I mean, Forsberg has been their best offensive player, but like Ryan O'Reilly is just always there. He's always in places you need him. He's always producing at both ends. He's just a, a, a an all-encompassing player for them right now, and he was a big part of that one. Uh, it didn't end up in a win, but he had the goal early. He had an assist. Um, and uh, the, the second period in particular was wild because you had a shorthanded goal by Colton Sisson to put him up 3-1 to one just after the Rangers had, had scored. And then they get a couple of, I mean, the Rangers are just really, really good, but they get a couple of these goals that are like deflections and tips that are just, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. It was it was wild. So Chris Kreider, Vincent Trocheck, that that gave them uh, that tied it, and then Ryan Lingren gets the goal to to put them ahead, and uh, they they almost they almost made it happen. But you have to like the way that they re- responded after the wild game. They didn't like their performance. They played well against uh, the like you said the best team in the league, and then um, then they go to Buffalo, and we're going to talk a little bit about this Buffalo Sabers game because it was a it was a really tough. Tough, tough game, and uh, they came out on top. But um, I think the the takeaway is UC Soros. Oh yeah, Th- this was vintage UC Soros. You know, we've talked. You know, you and I have talked. Different outlets are talking about. You know, we haven't really seen necessarily UC Soros hit a stride yet. I always think. You know, I always say that UC Soros is more of a crockpot than a microwave. You know, he's going to take yep. a little time to warm up. But but when he gets warmed up, he's <laughs> really going to be cooking something. And I think it's taken a little bit of time this season to kind of get him there. But what you saw in Buffalo, you say, okay, that's UC Soros. Yeah, that's the guy we know. And he he had the the, the crazy save uh, mm. late in the third period that. Um, where he it was just a scramble in front, and he was going right, and then he moved left and made the pad save. That was a great save. But he also, it was his second most saves of the season, 34 saves. It wasn't a shutout, but the only goal he allowed was a penalty shot goal. Yeah. Let, okay, can I ask you penalty shots? Yeah. Is it me? Or doesn't it feel like penalty shots are are the new slash? Remember a couple seasons ago where it was like they were like we're on top of slashes and, and they yeah. were called all the time. Penalty shots. There have been I think that was the twenty first penalty shot so far this season. Wow. Yeah. And Nash and UC Soros coincidentally has faced three of those penalty shots. Well, that's wild. So he's get he's allowed two goals, right? Three. Um. I'm just saying. He's allowed three he, times? Three. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's been scored on three times. There's one other, just a little bit of trivia, one other goaltender's face three, and that was Jake Allen from Montreal's had three, too. So it this seems year? like, yeah, it seems like penalty wow. shots are are a little more uh, common this season. They're being uh, handed out maybe a little bit more like candy this season than that's usual. Good, that's good stuff. I had no idea. That, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like... Um, the, Maybe in the past there's been times where they they could have awarded penalty shots that they haven't, and maybe they just revisited it and were like, let's start giving these out more. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. You yeah, know. interesting. So, so I think uh, that. So when that happens, I mean, that was you know it's two to one, but uh, you know the, the way this season has gone, the the Predators have been a kind of inverse of of how they've been recently. They've they've kind of won despite their goaltender. 
but last night was different. I think last night they won because UC Soros just decided to to, to win it, and he had 12 saves in the third period, and um, they they couldn't get any more offense really going because Buffalo was coming, and, and it was a pretty mad scramble at the very end there. But they eke out a 2-1 to one win over Buffalo, uh, a, a decent team, not a great team, not anything like the Rangers, but a decent team and a good a good win on the road. Yeah, I would agree. And I think they're a hungry team. I think Buffalo's kind of in a very similar situation to Nashville where they're thinking, okay, we want to take some steps forward here. We want to prove some things. I believe they were coming off of a tough loss. That was a good goaltending game, I think, for both goaltenders. You talk about, you know, Nashville really couldn't get more than that one goal lead. Ryan O'Reilly, he had, I think, five shots in that game. And at least four of them had to have been high danger chances. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yuko Pekka Lukanen just was having none of it. So it was good to see the Nashville Predators win a game by one goal where they had to kind of keep that lead for a whole period. I think, you know, it just shows you, okay, they know how to keep they know how to keep a lead where I think earlier in the season we knew that they kind of figured out how to lose a lead, but they knew how to keep a lead in this game. So I think it was a good confidence game. Maybe not high scoring, but a good game for them on the road. Definitely. And by the way, if you want to text the show, 615-737-1025, you can send us a question or a comment about the Predators, uh, how their season has gone so far. Of course, they, you know, they they've They've had their moments. I mean, this is not. This has been a, a, a an interesting year so far. Only twenty four games in, they're twelve and twelve. So they're um, <laughs> literally a five hundred team. And uh, there's a lot of things going on with this team that you know we're going to talk about over the course of this show and and uh, things to bring up about maybe, maybe where they're headed. You know what what does this start kind of mean for them? And uh, so we're going to talk about that. But if you want to text the show six one five seven three seven. 1025, and uh, we'll talk about that on the air. Um, back to the Buffalo game real quick. Uh, there, there was one call-up that we haven't mentioned yet. but So the Predators have been dealing with this weird injury situation. We don't really know exactly what's going on. I'm guessing it's something with Liam Foodie because they, uh, they've they been playing 11, skate, 11 forwards and 7 defensemen. Um, but then, of course, they lose Alex Carrier, which we'll talk about, and then this thing with Tyson Berry, which we'll talk about. But uh, they decide to call up Mark Jankowski. And a few weeks ago, we mentioned that Barry Trotz, uh, I think he kind of tipped his hand in terms of when he when he goes to Milwaukee this year, he indicated he's going to go with one of the veteran players as opposed to calling up a Afanasiev or a Joachim Kimmel. I, we, we were pretty sure he was going to go with a Jankowski or maybe a Gurionov. Right. And, and Jankowski gets the call up and, and plays last night. Yeah, not super surprised by that as much as I think everybody's hungry to see a little bit more of the door open on this youth movement that they've talked about. Mm -hmm. Not at all surprised that Barry Trotz said, hey, you know, we're going to bring up a guy. He's got, you know, NHL experience. Jankowski has definitely seen some things in the NHL, had some time up here with the team, you know, looked really good, especially uh, last year at the end with Milwaukee kind of through the playoffs and stuff. So not super surprised by that. I know people are kind of hungry to see Afanasiev or Kemmel, but. I agree with yeah. you. I think we're, I think it's going to be a little bit. I think they're going to let those guys news. simmer some. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't want them to overcook. He doesn't want them to undercook either. So he's. I think those guys are going to be well. Afanasiev has had a good season down there. I mean, let's yeah. give him credit. But, yep. but, I mean, the guy still has a long way to go. I mean, he's scoring goals that are not NHL goals right now. He needs to get some, get some real skill. Now, Joachim Kimmel, maybe a little bit of a different story. He's very good. <laughs> he, he is very good. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a debut from him later this year, but... Just, just saying. Um, when we come back, we are going to talk about this Tyson Berry situation because 
the timing of this is so strange. And I want to read some quotes from uh, Elliot Friedman about what this means and maybe potentially what could be going on and what we might see. Because uh, it's, it, it's, it's thrown a kind of strange wrench into the plans, I think, and uh, especially given the injury uh, to Alex Carrier. So we'll talk about that uh, when we come back. But uh, Nashville, if you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, look no further than Salas Realty Group. Salas is not just about property. It's about people. They build long-lasting relationships that are about you, your needs, and your dreams. Salas Realty Group stands for trust, transparency, and community, and they are committed to making a positive impact in Middle Tennessee, one home at a time. Ready to make a move? Visit salasrealtygroup.com today Excuse me, and experience real estate the Salas way. And we're back at Penalty Box Radio Live, presented by Salas Realty Group and the Nashville Spartans. We are here talking about the Nashville Predators. Joining me today is Ann Kimmel of the Hockey News. Sean Smith has the night off. I'm not even sure where he's doing, actually. I got no clue. He's out. He's probably doing more hockey stuff with his kid, I would imagine. He does a lot of he that. Does a lot. He does a lot of hockeying. Speaking a lot of, of a lot of hockeying, Tyson Berry has done a lot of hockeying in his career. And uh, we learned over the weekend uh, a few days ago. By the way, I, I, I meant to say this. We did have a texter that texted in that wanted to know about Liam Foodie's speed. <laughs> uh, I know who this text this texter is. I'm going I'm to not name who they are, but uh, yeah, Liam Foodie. He got he's got some speed. Um, that's about it that he's got. He's fast. That's about it. <laughs> he's fast. He's, apparently, he's got an injury too. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Um, but uh, so Tyson Berry. We learned over the weekend from Elliot Friedman, and I'm just going to read this. He said, there's word today the Nashville Predators have given Tyson Berry permission to talk to other teams. Berry is expected to be a scratch versus the Rangers, which he was. He's also a UFA at the end of the season. This allows team and player to see if there's a better fit elsewhere. The only way I read that is that it's, it's a trade request from Tyson Berry. That's the only thing it has to be. I mean, if, if the team was just wanting to trade him, they would just eventually trade, trade they him. They wouldn't really leak that. They would just... Uh, Trade him. And so Tyson Berry has clearly talked to the team and said, look, I know that I'm not part of the future plans. UFA at the end of the year doesn't seem to be any talk about a contract, which wouldn't make sense anyways. And uh, so what did you think of when you saw this? And there's one other update I'll read after you talk. But um, were you surprised to see this, uh, this news about Tyson Berry at this point? I don't know that I was necessarily surprised. The thing that surprised me the most was the timing, because this all kind of broke right after Alexander Carrier was injured. And we had talked to and asked head coach Andrew Brunette about the Tyson Berry being a healthy scratch. And his Mm -hmm. comment was, you know, it's a reset, kind of similar to what Luke Evangelista went through, kind of similar to what Yakov Trenin went through. They each kind of sat for a game. They were a little bit off of their game, just a mental break from it. And I took that, you know, when we got that from Andrew Brunette, I took that to mean, hey, he's going to sit a game. But when mm-hmm. he sat a second game in Buffalo, this is where where it makes me think, you know, something, there's got to be something happening. Yeah. There's going to be some movement relatively quick if they're going to continue to healthy scratch him. Yeah. It, uh, so, <clears throat> and, and you just brought up the the him healthy scratching guys like Evangelista and Trennan mm-hmm. and, and Tomasino. You know, the difference is those guys are in their early 20s. I guess Yak is 26, 27. Uh, Tyson Berry's thirty-two, so he's like this. The, for him to be for him to be treating Tyson Berry like that and to saying like he needs a reset, it indicates a lot more, right? Right. It, it definitely sends a different right. message for a thirty-two-year-old defenseman. 
here's what I think is going on. I I think initially. Tyson Berry probably knew going into the season he's not going to be in Nashville come the final day of the year. He's right. probably going to be traded by the end of Nashville or by the end of the season from Nashville somewhere. Um, now, part of so one thing that's going on here, I think, is is this: if he knows he's going to be traded, he probably is. That that's got to be a rough situation to be playing these kind of games for this kind of team all season long, knowing uh, where am I going to go. Right. What's going to happen in February? Am I going to be in Detroit? Am I going to be in back in Edmonton, Toronto, L.A.? Where am I going to go? Right. So not knowing that has got to be tough for him and his family. But then also, I think the Alex Carey injury. So if you if you remember, they, they called up Mark Delgado, got him some games. They call up Spencer Stastny, get him some games. He goes back down. Alex Carey is called or Alex Carey gets injured. They immediately call up Stastny. Right. To me, that probably triggered something in Tyson Berry that said, look, if this guy, one of our top defensemen, gets injured and I'm not immediately promoted as a top four guy, it's time to time to move on. Yeah, this is, this is not a place that sees me in a position where I see myself playing. Even right now. Correct. Not, let alone in the future, but even, even these this games season. in December of this year, I'm not even the guy to, to, to take that spot it's it's going to be the other this twenty three year old from Milwaukee who, admittedly, is better than him right now. I mean, I, I, I think, Stastny's fantastic. I think Spencer Stastny is is uh, part of the future of this defense, which we can talk about. But that's what I think is going on. I mean, and I don't blame Tyson at all for this because I I, I think you know he he didn't choose to get traded here. It was a, a tough situation for him last year, stepping in and being like the only veteran guy in that room. Right. Late in the season, he handled it phenomenally. And then he comes in this year and knows I'm probably not going to be here again. Uh, maybe I could get traded early, earlier rather than later. And now, after this major injury to a player I should be replacing, they just go and get the guy from Milwaukee. You know, how about we just go ahead and trade me? Yeah, let's just call it. Yeah, you know, let's let's part ways. And and I'm with you. I kind of can't blame him. You know, yeah. if you know that that's coming and you kind of see the writing on the wall, there there's no point in in dragging it out. If this is where the two parties are headed, there's no point in just having an honest conversation and saying, hey, you know, maybe we need to change the timeline of this. Mm -hmm. I can't fault him for that. If you have any thoughts on this, uh, the the defense situation, Tyson Bear, anything, you can text the show 615-737-1025. We will talk about anything you want to talk about relating to the Preds on the air. I do want to give this little update. Nick Keezer, producer of the morning show here and uh, Predators, intrepid Predators reporter Nick Keezer, uh said that uh, he he brought this out from the uh, the thirty two um, thirty two thoughts podcast from uh, Elliot Friedman. This was a quote from there. There have been rumblings that they, meaning the Predators, want to change their blue line a bit. Barry, Carrier, and Fabro, all of those players might have questions about their future. Maybe one or two of them goes. Maybe two of them stay. But I don't think they're all safe. So uh, that kind of quote to me is like, okay, well, you already said that Barry's like probably going to get traded, so you haven't really said much else there. I right. Mean, we know Barry's going to get traded, which means that Carrier and Fabro could stay. I, but 
what did you say before the show? You can't say Fabro. You can't say trade without saying Fabro. It yeah. just the, it's like peanut butter and jelly. Those two words for seasons yeah. have gone together. You have to include the you name must. Dante Fabro whenever you talk trades. Must. Yeah. Every team. It's like Every part of the, team. Doesn't yeah. matter what you're looking for. If you're looking for a 1C, please talk to us about Dante Fabro. Yeah. And poor Dante Fabro because I think he, I think he's played well this year yes. and he just is always included in that. I think part of it is like because he was so highly touted as a defenseman and he's not like you know, running away with it right now. People are like, do we keep him? Do we value, take take his value? You know, whatever. But the other thing is, like, all these guys have contracts that end this year, and they're all, like, the same value. I mean, right. except for Barry's is a little higher, but to Alex Carrier, 27 years old, $2.5 Dante Fabro, 25 years old, $2.5 And he's an RFA, so he's a little bit more valuable as an RFA. But, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Fabro or Carrier were traded. Now, Carrier getting injured totally messes up everything. Uh, they can't necessarily trade him right now. But I think we know Barry's going to get traded. And I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it's before, you know, Christmas. I mean... I think it's one of those things where just you kind of find yourself checking your phone every couple of hours yeah. because you think at any minute now there could be word that something has happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so one of those guys is getting traded. I think Tyson Berry is probably the big one. The, the, the other thing that this creates to me and the, the reason why the timing is so weird is this defense, you know, the, the quote from Friedman saying that they want to change things up on the blue line. I'm not surprised by that because the blue line has had weird issues. I mean... In the past, you know, you could rely on a couple things to be kind of steady, but it has just felt like fruit basket turnover. I mean, they're just there's so many different. Yossi was with Fabro for a while. Now he's back with McDonough. That he's healthy. Stastny's coming up and coming down. You had Del Gaizo thrown in there. You got Jeremy. Jeremy Lausanne seems to be the most stable figure, but he's just a bottom pair guy. And then Luke Shen comes back, and Luke Shen has struggled. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. I think Luke Shen is not up to speed yet. Yeah, yeah. and Anne's very nice. <laughs> Anne, Anne does not want to... Uh, Anne is a good person. Uh, some of us are not good people. I, I just think Luke Shen is not what they need right now. And I, I think he has, he has serious issues with his decision-making, which is the part that surprises me. I, I was not surprised that his speed was not up to, up to par. I mean, right. his speed is, has been an issue for a while. But man, he just, I mean, every game there are things that he does that are just like, you can't do that. You cannot, you have a chance to clear the puck. You cannot just send it to the to the point and get it intercepted and, and create a, a chance the other way. If you have a, a if you have a, a guy that's in the middle of the ice, you've got to find a way to, to prevent him from getting the puck. You've got to get sticks on passes. You've got to, you've got to prevent these things from happening because that's what you were brought here to do is to play solid defense. And he's doing kind of the opposite. Yeah, it's been tough. He's definitely had some tough shifts to watch. I, I do not disagree with that. And I think it's interesting because it seems like they were so intentional about kind of easing him into it. So it's not necessarily like Shen has been thrown into the deep end of the pool by the Predators, you know, when they went with seven defensemen. You know, he was taking some some shifts and getting kind of used to it. So it's been a little bit surprising, but I agree with you. I think we've seen, we haven't seen any defensive pairings that have really stuck from the get-go. Yeah. And, and I think they need to find those. I think Yossi and McDonough is going to stick, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean let's let's take a look at the pairings because I mean right now uh, Lausanne is with Fabro. That's what the last couple games Lausanne right. has been with Fabro. And uh, Stastny, that he's back up, is with Luke Shin. Right. I actually don't mind that. I think Stastny being with Luke Shin is fine, but 
Yossi with McDonough, I mean, I, I still think that's an odd pairing just because you have Yossi playing on his offside, and that's just kind of a struggle, but I don't know. I, it, it's not like they are terrible defensively, but they just don't have a lot of stability. I would agree with that. And I think you have to build in some time together when, when you're working with these defensive pairings. And and part of that has been injury. You know, they haven't had the luxury. You know, Shen went out after one game mm-hmm. and Carrier has been out. And, you know, you brought Stasny up. You had uh, Del Geyser, who I thought was fantastic when he was up here. Yeah. You know, definitely take some time and, and do a little bit more work in the AHL. But this is a guy I can see being a part of the Nashville Predators blue line at some point. But it doesn't feel like you know what's happening with them. Yeah. I would, I would totally agree. When we come back, we're going to talk about a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot, I don't think, but has had a good season, Michael McCarron. We're going to talk about him and uh, and maybe a little bit of a more, you know, the hey, these are people kind of topic. But uh, we'll cover that when we come back. Uh, but, you know, we've been talking about defense. Hey, Shea Weber, Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, P.K. Subban. A lot, of def- a lot of good defensemen in the Predators history, right? Well... If you're looking for a defender, every defender, sorry, <laughs> every great defender needs a great partner, as we have been talking about with defensive partners. And whether you're looking to buy or sell a house in the greater Nashville area, you'll find a great partner in Salas Realty Group. Their comprehensive listings offer detailed property descriptions, images, and virtual tours for an immersive experience of Nashville homes for sale. At Salas Realty Group, building relationships is the priority. With unparalleled customer satisfaction, make Salas your trusted partner partner in Nashville, Tennessee, real estate. Hey, Nashville, join the Nashville Spartans, the hockey sensation of the city. Experience thrilling games, family-friendly fun, and unity. Visit NashvilleSpartansHockey.com slash tickets, select your game, and use the promo code PBR50 for an exclusive 50% discount when checking out. Don't miss the excitement. Be a part of Nashville Spartans Hockey today. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio Live, uh, brought to you by the Nashville Spartans and Silas Realty Group. So um, I want to talk about Michael McCarron for a second. I, I had a chance to talk to him a couple weeks ago um, about uh, well a number of things. I was actually asking about I was actually asking about faceoffs because I noticed that a lot of guys have been kicked out of faceoffs. You've noticed that, right? I have noticed yeah, that. It's yeah, been very. It's annoying. the new slash. They were very annoyed <laughs> by all the faceoffs. They were they were they were definitely ready to talk about it. But and he was he was great in talking about that. But he also brought up something that I think a, maybe some people have forgotten and. Uh, it has not been a, a topic that has been touched on specifically with him. And I'm talking about last year, him entering in the uh, the NHL player assistance program. I, I didn't really ask about that. I was actually asking about his time with the Milwaukee Admirals last year because he was a part of that run where they went to the Western Conference Final for the for the Admirals. Um, he had, you'll hear in this clip that we're going to play here in a second that uh, he talks about that. But he does mention at the beginning some things. And I just wanted to touch on this because I think it's important for people to know um, and for people to get some perspective on what these players go through. So here was Michael McCarran talking to me uh, a couple weeks ago. I mean, obviously I had some struggles last year, um, personally, and I was super happy to come back and be able to play hockey. I, you know, I didn't think I was, not necessarily don't think, but, you know, yeah, you don't see hockey as your number one thing coming back, and luckily I was able to, you know, get healthy and find my way back into the game, and I was just happy to be playing at that at that time in yeah. my life, so it was it was huge. I mean, we had a really good team down there. We had a good run. Um, definitely helped a lot of us young guys. Uh, I'm not young, but a lot of the guys, uh, you know, coming coming up this year again, like Tom Cino and Vange, um, you know, Doug Heizo, Stastny, and they brought some good, you know, 
the harder the longer you go in any league it's it's hard man like you grow as a player you grow as a person you see how much you really got to dig in and yeah it's it's not easy like i was you know 28 years old and it's eighth ninth year pro and it's still hard man yeah. like for those young guys it's even like you know it's great great experience for them and, and for me so that was uh old man 28 year old michael mccarran <laughs> talking about his experience last year with the Milwaukee Admirals, but also touching on uh, the the struggles, the challenges that he had last year. To, to date, there has not been any information about what he went through, what he was going through at the time, and that's totally fine. He's not, you know, he, that's something that's his story to tell. He can tell that whenever he wants. And I, by the way, I was not trying to get that information out of him. I was just asking about his year last year. Um, but some of the things that he said, I, I thought were worth mentioning, and and one is. When he entered that program, and then when he came out, I, I think you know him saying he didn't know if he was going to play hockey again. He didn't even know that he was going to be doing hockey at all, and so he was just glad to be back. Uh, that it, I, I didn't know that. I didn't. That was a re- re- revelation to me because you know you don't know what these situations are when players go into this program, and I, I think there can be any number of things. It can be anything that's big or anything that's small. As long as they if they need it, they get it. And he didn't. Uh, he didn't even know if he was going to play hockey again. And and this player assistance program has been such a big part of of the league for a, a number of years now. And I know you talked to Mark Borowiecki about it this past summer, right? I did. Yeah, I got a chance to talk to Mark Borowiecki for. I was actually doing an article on enforcers, and it was fascinating to talk to him. But we also touched on, you know, mental health, which is something that Mark Borowiecki is very vocal about. Mm-hmm. He's um, working with the Predators now. And he talked about just how challenging this job is. It's such a results-based job. Yeah. It's the hardest league in the world to get to get a spot in. And you get a spot in the NHL. And that does not mean at all that you're going to keep that spot in the NHL. And one of the things that Boro said that I thought was really interesting and that kind of stuck with me is he talked about how important the organization is. Yes, you have the NHL uh, Players Assistance Program and all that that involves and all that entails, but it also matters what the organization's perspective is on mental health and athletes. And yeah. one of the things that he said to me is that Nashville is one of the teams that's really on the forefront of addressing, understanding, and embracing mental health with mm-hmm. their players. And I thought, you know what, that really speaks well of David Poyle, Barry Trotz, this organization from top down, because this is something that they take really very seriously. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting, kind of a revelation about the Nashville Predators, but Boro really feels like they are cutting edge when it comes to understanding the experience of these players and what they need. Yeah, and I, just on that note, I I happen to I also have a story of the summer about uh, Pike Pike Williams, the uh, love the, him the the chap the team chaplain, kind of a different side of it, but very similar in terms of like their their mental state. Uh, I know team chaplain people hear that and think you know it's just about just about religion or faith or whatever, and it is that is part of it, but it really is about other things. It's about it's about who they are as people the results-based stuff that you're talking about and how important that is. And the, the Predators have been, again, at the forefront of, of having that. I, 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 You know, you mentioned in the break there was some sort of viral clip about a guy. Yes. Who was it? That, that, it was Scott Darling. Scott that's right. Darling. Scott Darling talked yes. about the player assistant program and was, like, very disparaging of it. Yes. He was on the What Chaos podcast. Yeah. And something came out about the Players Assistance Program. And his he said, if you ever need help, do it on your own. Don't go through them. Yeah. Because they are blank monsters, <laughs> as Cody Glass would say. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, that was really strange. I, I I'd never I'd never seen a player with that reaction about that program. 
Are we? I mean, we are sure that that's what he was talking about, right? The yes. player assistance program. Player assistance okay. program. Yeah, and and kind of, I believe his take was he felt like if you enter in there, then the NHL goes in and says, "Hey, we're going to try to find a way to cut your contract." And so right. I think that was sort of the the frustration that he had is that it feels like maybe there is a, a like if a, they find out something like maybe because there's contracts uh, clauses and contracts about you know uh, making the. Um, I don't know what the phrase is, but basically if you do something that's really detrimental to the team or something, right. you do something illegal. Conduct, yeah, conduct, conduct or, yes. Yeah, right. So maybe that's what he's talking about and, and worried about that. Yeah. What seemed to be just, you know, in but, in what I heard when I was listening to him saying, you know, hey, they, they can then circle back around and use this against you. And I thought, you know what, I, I think. But I know, I, I know that, I know how therapy works. I mean, I just, I'm proud to say this. I, I go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like therapy is, is like, you, you have a therapist, like there's, there's. Uh, confidentiality there, and right. uh, unless you do something that's like to hurt someone else or to hurt yourself, like they're not just gonna. T- I mean, even if it's illegal, even, even if it's like drugs related or something that's that would be bad, a bad look for the team, like they can't tell anybody. So I mean, I'm again, we're speculating a lot here. It's not always about therapy and these kind of things, but that's odd to me that that that's how his react. That's how he reacted because um, it just it makes me what it makes me think is. Scott Darling's experience was not a good one, it sounds like. D- does not sound like he had a good experience with no. it. No. And that's too bad. I mean, I, because I, 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 hate believe, that. I believe therapy is great for everyone. Uh, and then we've seen so many great experiences with Connor Ingram and with yes. Austin Watson and with Michael McCarron of, of guys going into the program and coming out great on the other end. And, and now, and now, I mean, this is irrelevant, but Michael McCarron's having a great year now. I mean, he's a yes. big part of that bottom line with, with Philip Tomasino and... I mean, he's been a better guy for it, I think. Yes, I think so, too. I think so much of it, too, especially, you know, he kind of jokes about being an older guy, which <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll have to sit him down. But, <laughs> you know, he kind of jokes about being an older guy. But I think, you know, it takes a long time to kind of get everything in perspective. And you look at these hockey players, this stuff started for them when they were young. Yeah. You know, this has been their life for so long. So I think you, you know, you have to get a little bit older to get perspective. And I think once you do... It does sort of settle some things on the ice, and I agree with you. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching Michael McCarron. I know there mm. were some times where he was a healthy scratch, and Phil Tomasino was a healthy scratch. But I think you put those guys together on that fourth line, and you know when they hit the ice, they're going to do something. Yeah, it is not a pairing I ever thought would work. Michael McCarron with Philip Tomasino, I, I, I would have always thought McCarron needs to be with a guy like Cole Smith or Jakob Trenin, physical. Mm-hmm. Bruiser kind of kind of player, and then Tomasino Tomasino needs to be with a skill guy like a Forsberg or like a Cody Glass or a Tommy Novak. But man, it, it's a it's a it's a pairing that works. I mean, because yeah. and re, it makes sense. I think McCarron is the guy that can dig pucks out of the corner, that can go behind the net, that can can body up guys, and Tomasino can retrieve pucks and use his skill some. And it's it's been a great pairing. That they haven't like lit it up or anything, but McCarron had that two goal night the other night, and Tomasino has looked fantastic in the yes. last couple weeks. So. Uh, McCarron's been a, a big part of that. Yeah, it's been really great to watch. And I agree with you. It's maybe not the pairing that you would uh, on paper say is going to work, but yeah. you put them out on the ice together and they complement each other very well. Yeah. We do have a couple of texts. We are going to get to those. Joe in Antioch, I'm going to get to your text uh, when we come back, of course. Uh, that's a great question that you had. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to have uh, preview the next couple weeks. Well, no, just the next week, really. Uh, preview the next week of the Nashville Predators. And then we're going to conclude with the three-on-three draft. That's going to be coming up. Here in a little bit, I know Ann is very excited. But look, buying a home, 
It can be a really stressful experience. Huge decision. So many things to consider. But with real experienced real estate professionals at Silas Realty Group, you can find your dream home in the most vibrant and dynamic city in the world right here in Nashville, Tennessee. If you're a first-time home buyer, investor, or selling your property, Salus Realty Team guides you every step of the way. They have intimate knowledge of Nashville's neighborhoods, schools, and market trends, and they will match you to the perfect home to suit your lifestyle and needs. If you want to get started, go to salusrealtygroup.com and experience real estate the Salus way. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio Live. We are here talking about the National Predators. Sean Smith is out in his place. Ann Kimmel with the Hockey News. I don't know, maybe Sean Smith's going to lose his job because I think Ann's done a fantastic job tonight. Look out, Sean. <laughs> Coming for you. So uh, before I, we went to the break, I was gonna I teased that we were going to get to Joe and Antioch's question. Here was uh, here was his comment. This is interesting and definitely relevant, cause especially considering last night's game. So far this season, UC Soros, 9-10. and 10, He's allowed 53 goals. Three-point goals average. He gives some stats here. Kevin Lankinen isn't much better with a 3.04 goals against average. How do you feel about the current state of the goaltending? Is it all on them or is it on the defensive players too? My initial reaction, Joe, is... I know this is hard to hear, but I think it's still early. I, I actually think Lankinen has been better than Soros to begin with, but I'm telling you what, UC Soros' performance last night in Buffalo was very encouraging. If he strings together another couple of performances like that, especially against Chicago tomorrow night, I think that you're going to be back to thinking, okay, the goaltending is, is, is solid now. Now we can... Now we can you know, rely on that a little bit more. What do you think? I would agree with that. I, another thing that I kind of want to throw out there, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about defensive pairings. This is an all new system. So while in theory, you see yeah. Saros and Kevin Lincoln, its job is the same. Hey, don't let a puck in the net. In reality, the system that's being played in front of him is very different. So I think you have to allow for the fact that there's an adjustment for these guys as well. Again, Saros, slow starter. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I think if you see a couple more games like this, everybody's going to exhale about Saros. I don't I don't know that anybody is very concerned. I don't think anybody in the Predators organization is extremely concerned about UC yeah. Saros at all. They don't seem to be. <laughs> they don't. They don't seem to be. And, and I think, you know, when you've got Kevin Lincoln in, I think Kevin Lincoln in is as good a backup as you're going to find right now in the league. Uh, I know he's had a couple of rough games as well. But again, I think it's just adjustments. I think this team is adjusting. Were you there for the, the stick break moment in practice were you there for that i heard about the yeah. stick break moment that was weird um yeah so if, if you guys didn't see this I, they, we didn't get video of it i was it was just a practice but they're doing a full this is after the uh wild game is this last friday i think uh they're doing like a full ice like nine on nine it was kind of wild actually it was looked like chaos to me but lankin he let in a goal and i think he let in another one right after that or something dude just Destroyed his stick on on the on the goal, and you just don't see that kind of thing in practice, Mm-mm. or from a Finn. <laughs> yeah, the Finnish people don't—they're not—they don't break a lot of sticks. But I've never even seen him do that in a game. Mm-mm. I mean, maybe he did it one of those that year, that terrible year in Chicago. I, he probably broke a lot of sticks that year, actually. Now that I think about it, but I'd never seen that from him, and it was in practice, and it was kind of like a moment where everyone was kind of like, "Is he?" Really mad? Is he? What's going on here? Right. And you know, Randerclaw came out just touched give him a new stick and they just kept going and that was it and it was odd but he started the next night at, or against the Rangers and yeah. 
played pretty well in that game, I think. Yeah, I thought he was great against the Rangers. I yeah. mean, they are such a the Rangers are such a high quality offensive power. I thought Lankin and really did a great job kind of tracking the things that they cook up. So yeah. I thought he did well. And uh yeah. So so Joe and Antioch, I, I think that the current state of the goaltending is maybe wait and see approach. I think it's okay. I think there's nothing wrong with the goaltending for the most part. You need Soros to really you need that Buffalo game to be the track for the rest of the year. I mean, that, it, he doesn't have to be like incredible every night, but you need that to be like the, that's the kind of the goal for him to be every night. You just need him to be like, even on his bad nights to be, to put you in position to win the game. Uh, they can't have bad goaltending if they're going to be any semblance of a good team this year. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what I think. Um, yeah. The, the next few weeks or the next week or so is, is uh, uh, you know, there's some, some winnable games. There's some not winnable games. There's Tuesday at Chicago. They play that tomorrow. Uh, another chance against the Blackhawks, but on the road this time. Then Thursday, they host Tampa, who they've lost to the first time, but they get them here in, uh, in Bridge, at Bridgestone. And then they go on the road at Toronto, at Montreal, back-to-back. So that's going to be tough. I mean, I, I would imagine that, you know, Soros gets the Toronto game, Lincoln gets the Montreal game. I, that's just a guess, but... I, yeah, it's it's a tough week. You know, some road games coming back up, even though they have a, they've had this long stretch at home. So uh, tough tough week, kind of. Yeah, it's a tough week. Yeah, I would say it's a tough week. I think you know you're looking at uh, Tampa Bay and Toronto. Those are those are two pretty tough teams. Although, look, the Predators beat Toronto in overtime, and I think even in their first game, their opening game of the season was against Tampa Bay. And but, you know, I think the, the Predators played pretty well in that first game of the season too. Tampa Bay's uh, they're having a little bit of a rough stretch too. I think they've had their fourth loss in a row. So it'll be interesting to see. I think those would be really impressive games if if the Predators came away with some wins. Let's see what they can do against you know Chicago and Montreal too can't at this point you really can't overlook anybody you know as they kind of yeah. go through these growing pains so yeah. you all, know. all three of those games all three of those teams toronto tampa montreal out of the top three in the uh in the atlantic division so so yeah it's that atlantic division detroit's in their third that's kind of odd so yeah I guess the you know they're gonna be they're gonna be tough this year. So um, yeah, the next couple next couple weeks uh, of the, for the Predators are gonna be a little uh, little challenging. Some road games coming up as we enter the holiday season. And speaking of holidays, we have a special holiday themed edition of the three on three draft, and we're gonna go ahead and kick it off as producer Jake brings us the uh, the holiday music as I knew he would. <laughs> so if you don't know what we're doing, every Every week on the show, we draft something, and today, our draft, we are drafting holiday headaches, mm-hmm. the biggest headaches of the holidays, things that drive you crazy. You got to pick three holiday headaches, and because Anne is a guest host, we are going to give her the first pick of the three-on-three draft. And what is your first pick in the Holiday Headaches 3-on-3 draft? Okay, first of all, I want to say, just let me lay out that I understand that some of these are very demographic-specific. What may be delightful for a child is a holiday headache for a parent. So just let me let me say that. But my first pick in the Holiday Headache draft, I'm going with Elf on a Shelf. Okay. Elf all right. on a Shelf. Okay. These magical elves that manage his nice list by watching your family all day and then they travel to the North Pole and then they return the next morning somewhere different in your house. So I've never done 
the Elf on a Shelf. I don't even really get it. I, I, I and I have a kid too, so I yeah. really don't even understand it. I okay. mean, that's it, right? It's just moves or something. You you move the elf. The okay. elf moves. Let me rephrase that. Okay. The elf moves. Yeah, right. But the elf gets into some trouble every time the elf moves. And here is what I find particularly disturbing about this. There's a number of things disturbing about okay. this. A creepy elf flying around your house. It lasted one night with my my then four year old was like, I won't live here if he lives here. So we only did it one night. Okay. But I've seen it. He gets into, uh, you know, different things every night. And this goes on for the month of December. Here's the problem. You have children who cannot remember to unload the dishwasher five minutes after you tell them unload the dishwasher. Oh, okay, right. But what you end up with are children who can remember that the elf on the shelf did weightlifting with barbells made out of mini marshmallows and toothpicks in 2017. Weird. So you can't, you know, the elf can't repeat things. I see. Okay, okay. It's so too much, y'all. It's a headache for the parents. Yeah. It's too much, y'all. It's too much. Okay. Too much, All right. y'all. So elf on a shelf is uh, your first pick in the, the holiday headaches draft. My number one pick is parking at Target, specifically Target. I'll park at Walmart all day. Walmart has parking lots the size of a desert, man. I mean, (laughs) Walmart's parking lots are the biggest... Are are they an engineering marvel, to be honest? Like, I've never seen Walmart parking lots as big as Walmart. But Target parking lots are specifically designed to drive you crazy because they are... Uh, they're smaller and they have the, it feels like the parking spots are smaller they have a lot more cart return things the carts are way bigger so like they're always in the way those carts at Target are horrible fair point and everyone goes to Target at holidays and it's, you know I find myself at Target more often than I want to parking at Target in the holidays is absolutely the worst thing in the world I, it, it's, it drives me crazy every time so parking at Target is my number one holiday headaches pick Go ahead with your number two pick. All right. My number two pick, the three worst words that you can read over the holiday season, my friends. Batteries not included. My okay. second pick is toy assembly and batteries. Toy assembly and batteries. Toy assembly and batteries. When you buy gifts for children, you don't want to give them the box with it okay. not put together. So, you know, when you're and we assembled a Matchbox car carport. Mm-hmm. Took hours. Okay. Carried it to the table to cover it with a sheet, dropped it, broke it, fell apart. Words were wow. said, my friend. Okay, yeah. A lot of words. A lot Feliz of words Navidad, roughly translated. <laughs> like a lot of words were said. Okay. So, you know, and you give kids toys, batteries not included in the very fine print. You got to scramble around your house or wait till the next day. Nobody's happy. No, I, I, in my experience, most of the time these things have batteries. Is that not true anymore? Oh, no, I don't think. I don't no. think. Okay. Yeah, batteries not included. Okay. Worst words. All right, so your number two is, is batteries not included slash uh, toy assembly. Uh, toys, yeah, just, toys simply. just the prep. My number two is running out of scotch tape oh. to wrap your presents. Just not having it available. Just You always think, I, I feel like I've bought scotch tape every week for the last year, and then it all disappears. It's all in different drawers, and my daughter just takes it and uses it for projects, and it's like, it's gone, and then all of a sudden I've got to wrap a present at midnight on, on Christmas Eve, and it's it's like nowhere to be found. So running out of scotch tape is my number two. What is your number three overall pick? My number three, biggest biggest headache, uh, white elephant gifts slash bad Santa gifts, dirty yeah, Santa gifts. Terrible. What is this? Yeah. Like, it, what are the Can we parameters? end this? Can we just not? We, we got to end the white elephant thing. I totally agree. It's not. And then if you call it dirty Santa, like, does that mean you go shop on Church Street? 
Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are the parameters? You never know. Not everybody wants a little mini charcuterie board. Not yeah. everybody drinks. You know, not everybody Poop- wants banana grams. That's a big one. Poopery. Like, Poopery. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Is so, so yeah, just the white elephant, dirty Santa. I'm not well, here my, for it. My number three pick is uh, also presents related. Mine's just buying presents for your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I think parents are impossible to buy for. I mean, what in the world is my dad going to do with another coffee cup? I mean, he's got a thousand of them. What is my dad going to do with another type of, you know, my dad's really into beer making now. So he like, I'm, I'm going to buy him another thing of beer. He's already got 14 he's got to make from the past presents. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like buying presents for your parents is so hard. It's like, I can't give you anything else. You don't need anything. You, you're retired. You're like going on cruises now. I, I, I can't. I'm sort of trying to take up my kid. Why don't you just... <laughs> I'll take you out to dinner or something. So. There you go. So there are picks are. Mine was parking at Target, running out of scotch tape, buying presents for parents. What are yours? Mine was Elf on a Shelf, uh, White Elephant slash Dirty Santa, and Toy Assembly, no batteries included. Okay, Producer Jake, who wins? You know, I wanted to give it to Ann because she's the guest, <laughs> and it was really close down to the wire, Okay, but Alex, the presents for parents. I'm struggling over that right <laughs> yeah. now, what I'm going to get my parents. That one sold me. Alex is the winner. <laughs> All right. Thank you. We appreciate you listening to the show. Penalty Box Radio Live. Thank you, Ann, for joining us today. It's been fan- it's been fantastic. I think you've done a great job. It's great. Thanks for having me. I loved it. Sean is going to have to he's gonna have to work to get back in the lineup at this point, I Bring think. Bring you some it's scotch be, tape. It's going to be tough. But thank you for listening to the show. As always, uh, Penalty Box Radio is brought to you by Salas Realty Group and the Nashville Spartans. And we will see everybody next week back to Wednesdays starting a week from this Wednesday, of course. And uh, we'll see everyone then.